Get psyched with friends, ladies, and amateur crushers, Morgan and Cynthia. Join us as we share personal stories from our climbing lives. Our proudest achievements. Our epic failures. And most of all, our borderline obsessive love of the sport. Welcome Welcome to to Crag Crag Confessions. Confessions. Episode 13, A Roast. So last episode, we made a call for listener questions and comments and topic suggestions. And one topic that we received from a few people is to talk about our climbing pet peeves. And I don't really know why people want to hear a shit talk climbing. I mean, we love climbing and all, but things <laughs> really pisses off. Yeah, yeah. And I think I am a little nervous about this subject because it feels a little like Debbie Downer or bitchy or holier than thou or like, you know, like those like old fuddy-duddy curmudgeonly. Like, yeah, like trad dads who just say like, oh, trad climbing is the only true way to climb and all you boulders don't know what you do in wrestling those pebbles. Gumbies. And I guess like I don't know that I have any authority to say how people or places should act. <laughs> yeah, we all know that you you climb how you want to. Don't let us or anyone tell you how you climb. Exactly. But still, some things are just wrong. <laughs> and like obviously none of our friends or listeners do any of these things that we're going to talk about. <laughs> but if you do, don't feel self-conscious about climbing with us in the future. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're just talking shit. Exactly. And I think, you know, we should just take all of this with a, a grain of chalk, so to speak, <laughs> and remember that we still love you. <laughs> and we love climbing from the bottom of our hearts. Truly. So, yeah, let's get started. Hell yeah. I'm really looking forward to this episode. <laughs> yeah, why? <laughs> well, it's actually something that I think I've been wanting to talk about for a while. And so thank you for the pretext. (laughs) Giving us the excuse to be negative Nancy's. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Well, what's your first pet peeve then? How do we get into this? My first pet peeve is when a person hogs the climb. This is when someone I'm climbing with just doesn't know when to give it a rest. Like they just try again and again the same thing. (laughs) <laughs> the same move or the same climb like why I don't know it just feels awkward because you know they're not gonna get any better at doing it right because they're not resting at all <laughs> so like honestly I just want them to succeed and like part of that is not just throwing yourself over and over again at the wall and expecting something to be different I see, I see. And you mean this in the context of bouldering specifically? Yeah, I guess I do mean it in the context of bouldering because when I'm sport climbing or just on a rope, there's fewer people watching, you know? Mm, Nobody can really see what I'm doing to the same degree as I can if somebody's actually just close to the ground or on the first move even. Right. (laughs) And when other people can see, that's just especially painful. It's just like cringy to watch. (laughs) (laughs) yeah that is horrible (laughs) sounds like such a snob yeah but I think it comes from a good place you know like you you said before you want to see them succeed but you know that they're not setting themselves up for success because they're not giving themselves the rest in between burns yeah what annoys me more is 
when they do nothing different the second or the third time or the fourth or the fifth time. And the only difference is that they're more tired, you know? Mm. And I mean, there's definitely something to be said about just trying again and again and learning something through muscle memory. And, you know, I've actually seen people succeed through just throwing themselves <laughs> again and again <laughs> and just, you know, by some chance, you know, the, the stars align and the cold feels right that one time and then they do it. But mm -hmm. if they're otherwise not changing anything, I mean, I don't want to tell them anything because they clearly want to do it their way, right? They're dead mm -hmm. set on doing it that way. I just wish that they could step back and reassess and maybe think about it slightly differently because it just looks super frustrating. Right. Yeah. But this kind of gets me into my next pet peeve is that I'm like sort of annoyed by climbers that don't try hard enough. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And that's not to say that I'm annoyed by inexperienced climbers or Gumby climbers. Like, that, it's, it's not if you're weak or strong. It's the psych or like the mentality. You are here to try to send something or at least to get closer than you were five seconds ago. Mm -hmm. so, like, I really like to see climbers just giving it their best, really gritting their teeth and trying. And I don't like it when I see climbers like pull up halfway and then fall down. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. They say, oh, it's so hard. I can't do that. Yeah, yeah. Sounds bad to say, but I it totally does. get you. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. I, I, if they just allow themselves to try the move rather than letting go. Um. Right. <laughs> or like they get up to a climb and they just give it two tries and then they're like, well, that's not for me. Move on. And there's something to say about knowing when you've met a project that's just not going to go. Like, I understand that. Like, if it's, like, not your style or if it's just not your day to try this particular problem, like, okay, I get that. But I think that I often see people, maybe just in the gym, I'm not sure if I see this so much outside, but I see people who will just wander around the gym, make, mm. like, 10 or 15 laps around the gym and, like, just try it one thing one time. And then when they don't get it first burn, they go to something else. Huh. Yeah, maybe people haven't learned how to project yet. Or maybe, right. I mean, to give people the benefit of the doubt at the gym, there is a lot of options and yeah. there's a little bit of an ADHD effect, I think, from just, like, seeing all of the colors and the holes and the walls. So it's easy to distract <laughs> yourself. Right. <laughs> yeah. But maybe to your point, if you keep doing the same thing and you're not getting any better, you can't complain that you're not getting any better. That's true. That's true. However, this ties into another of my pet peeves, which is about when people ask for beta too much. Because oh. <laughs> this is kind of also ties into the, the lack of trying. Because I think I've seen friends roll up to a rock climb and like before they even touch it, they're asking, what's the beta? And it's like, do you guys want to try? <laughs> like, <laughs> you want to try this climb? We want to watch a video of this climb. I mean, like, definitely if I have good data and I see you struggling at a particular point, I want to give input. I'm happy to. But mm -hmm. I feel like I want to see them try, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, put the effort first before you ask for beta. <laughs> yeah, I guess this is like our mentality must be something of we really like the puzzle of climbing and mm. figuring things out and improving and and getting better but maybe that's not what other people are there for I don't know why do you climb if it's not for the puzzle yeah 
I guess people just want to send stuff, right? That's probably part of it. Or mm. maybe it's also just a lack of self-assurance or confidence and the ability to figure out what to do. Mm. I don't know. And like also what I hate is, oh God, just <laughs> please forgive me. <laughs> this is not personal. But what I hate is like after you give them beta, they're like, oh, okay. You know, they got to the next move. And then they say, and then what? <laughs> like, wait a second. <laughs> You want me to coach you through every single move of this climb? Like, I already got you that far. Yeah, like, you're going to have to start paying me if uh, you want more beta. (laughs) Yeah, I haven't climbed, I think, with a lot of people who ask for beta too much. But on the flip side, I don't like it when I receive beta that I didn't ask for. Mm. And especially, again, I feel bad for saying this, but (laughs) oftentimes... It's just these dudes giving me really bad beta. (laughs) Or I see guys giving bad beta to their girlfriends. This happened just yesterday when I was at the gym. And this boy with rental shoes was giving his girl with also rental shoes, but maybe she has not worn them before, giving her some beta on this V0 or V1. And it had this sort of bigger move on it. I think she would have had to like trust herself and trust her feet a little bit more to stand up to get the next one. But he was telling her all kinds of different things about where to put her feet and where to put her hands. And she was, she was trying to do all these things and getting in really weird positions on the wall. And then when she came down, she kept blaming herself. Like I am not strong enough or I took too much time thinking about it or I just got tired and I don't think it was her fault. Oh my God, you're, you're making me see red right now. <laughs> and then and then he had the audacity to be like, well, we should move on. We've got to get going. Oh, and, no. Right. <laughs> How dare he? I know. Oh, God. <laughs> right. And that's not all guys, obviously. Yes. But <laughs> it tends not to be the all, situation. But yeah. <laughs> I guess that's something you would more often see at the gym because I feel like if you're advanced enough in climbing that you're climbing outside, you probably know not to be doing that, right? Mm, Hopefully. Hopefully, yeah. Yeah. Although, I mean, I guess some people get outside relatively early in their climbing journeys. So True, true. But that's kind of like you need to rise to the occasion. You've decided to step out into that world. It's time to get with the program. Yeah. Okay, so speaking of that, another of my pet peeves is people who are unprepared or who come on a climbing trip unprepared. And I'm talking like they don't have tape, they don't have a jacket, they don't have (laughs) sunscreen, they don't have bug spray, they don't have a nail file or nail clippers, they need water, like, okay, I'm not saying that you got to be the perfect climber, but there's a certain level at which this becomes excessively unprepared, right? So, right. And then you're just like, oh, God, I got to take care of this person. Yeah, you don't need to be a Girl Scout level of prepared. And I'm also very happy to lend sunscreen or lend chalk or whatever, but... I, I get you. I hear you. It does feel a little bit like, well, why didn't you bring your own chalk? We're, we're on a climbing trip. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Speaking of unpreparedness, this is a different sort of unpreparedness that I find kind of annoying is when I see someone go up to the wall as if they are about to start climbing, but then they just stand there looking at the holds and moving their arms and their hands and feet around miming themselves climbing this route right at the base of the climb Mm -hmm. I feel like if you're gonna do that kind of preparation you need to do it 
10 feet away. Because <laughs> right now you're getting in the way of me, who is already ready. I have put chalk on my hands. I am actively sweating it off as we speak. And I need to go climb something. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point, especially if you're route climbing, right? Like you have all the time in the world to get ready. Mm. But by the time you step yeah. to the wall, you should be like totally ready. Right. Do all your preparation behind the line. And then once you cross, you better be hands on the holds. <laughs> oh, my God. We're so presumptuous. Oh my we goodness. are presumptuous. <laughs> but I don't know. It seems like a it's like a obliviousness to other climbers and the people around you that I just find kind of, I don't know, inconsiderate. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's a lot of that, I, I guess, in every activity. And I guess just in general, other people's insensitivity is mm-hmm. a pet peeve. But I don't know. Maybe... Maybe I'm just an old fart at this point. (laughs) But I don't know. Like, sometimes I just, I should just be nicer. Okay, whatever. Next pet peeve. (laughs) Next pet peeve is a weird one. It is sitting on the crash pads for me. (laughs) (laughs) This is a weird one. It's when I'm bouldering and I have crash pads. And the people who I'm with treat the pads like a yoga mat or a chair, or a dog bed, or like anything other than what it's supposed to be used for. Mm -hmm. Because if you're going to use that as a thing to sit on, just sit on the rock, you know, sit on the ground. Don't sit (laughs) on the crash pad, because that's what people are going to be falling on and like climbing in front of. And I just feel like it discourages people from climbing if you're just occupying the crash pad. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I guess you just got to be aware of your surroundings. And if it's just like me and you at the crag and me or you sit on the crash pad to take on or off our shoe, then like that's not that big of a deal. But if you're in a big group, someone's always bound to be ready to climb next. Yeah, exactly. And I'm also a little bit more timid, I think, to ask people to step back. Mm. I don't want to say like, step back, I'm about to do something really cool here. Right. But but if I just want (laughs) to go up there and occupy that space, Sometimes having someone, you know, lounging around, rolling around, taking off their (laughs) shoes or something in that space is really annoying. Especially when there are dogs on it too. Like, control your dog. You know, like, it's not (laughs) a dog bed. Your dogs have like mud all over their feet. They're getting the crash pad wet. They could sit down. Like, dogs have sat down on the crash pad and other people are like pushing them off. I mean, I love having dogs at the crag. I think it's super cute. But I do think that dog owners could do a little bit more to control their pets and to like pick up their poo and stuff. It's becoming an access issue here, at least in Squamish, because people keep bringing their dogs to the crag and having them off leash. And then they just run around in the forest and they like poop everywhere. And nobody goes to pick it up because it's Mm. out of sight, out of mind, you know. Right. And sometimes the dogs dig up roots or dig around the belay areas and it just causes a lot of erosion and deterioration of the crag. And so there's a lot of crags that have banned pets. Wow. Because of bad dog actors. Right. I think some some of our pet peeves are just sort of personal. Like, mm-hmm. I don't really like it when people wear beanies inside. and But <laughs> that does really nothing for climbing in general <laughs> or to the climbing industry as a whole. But not having good dog etiquette or like littering, feeding animals when you're out of the crag. All of those things do impact future access to climbing. 
So those feel like more genuine and more legitimate pet peeves. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I have dogs as a pet peeve in general. I know people are going to hate me, but like I <laughs> am not the biggest fan of dogs at the crag. Yeah, Should I mean, just... you've witnessed people being bitten oh, by yeah. dogs. <laughs> so I kind of <laughs> can see where you're coming from. Yeah, exactly. Untrained dogs have literally bitten one of my climbing friends while we were all there at the crag, which was horrible. <laughs> it was... Yeah, it's pretty yeah. traumatic. Yeah. Maybe it's because I haven't been socialized with dogs growing up, but I still have some dog fear. And seeing a dog up on the trail ahead of me barking at me is enough to make me stop in my tracks. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think most of the time I just see like really lazy crag dogs that just want to be outside and lay in the dirt and that's totally fine. I don't mind those dogs, but I think you're right. If you've got a vocal animal Mm. who is probably just trying to protect their owner in some way. Right. But yeah, like you don't know them. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I don't know what to do about that, but that is a pet peeve of mine. Yeah. Literal pet. Yes. (laughs) I guess related to dogs are kids. Okay. I didn't want to say it, (laughs) but you are so right. (laughs) Kids running around the gym, I feel like we've all seen and we have different coping mechanisms for dealing with them. But I've had a really bad experience with a kid at a crag once. Did they bite you? (laughs) (laughs) They bit one of my friends. (laughs) I had a kid throw a rock in the staging area. What? Like, just like, you know, there's rocks at the staging area of many crags. And, and just the kid is fooling around, throws a rock in the air. So dangerous. Wow. Does it hit anybody? No, it didn't hit anyone. But it could have. I mean, yeah. nobody should be throwing rocks. That's just <laughs> so dangerous. <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. It, yeah, again, it's just this control of the things you bring to the crag mm. <laughs> that if you can't, then Mike could consider other options. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which feels like it's like one thing to say that with someone's dog, like leave your dog at home. Like obviously you can't just leave small children at home and I don't want you to not go climbing just right. because you have little rascals. But I don't know. I guess I've also seen kids who are extremely well behaved Mm -hmm. at the crag and I know that there's a lot that goes into child rearing and as a person who does not have a child I don't see a lot of it (laughs) but yeah I I guess I have a higher threshold for kid misbehavior just because I know that you can't necessarily completely control a human being in the same way that you can control a dog I don't mm-hmm. think you can necessarily put a kid on a leash, for example. I've seen kids on leashes. <laughs> yeah, but like a 10, 12-year-old on a leash? I mean... Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. Yeah, but there is definitely a threshold at which I start to get pissed off. And I have started loudly cursing and swearing to get the parent to like pay attention to the kid a little oh bit. Oh my gosh, how funny. <laughs> Or to the, you know, the presence of the kid. So that right. I'm like, assuming you're not cursing at the child. No, I'm not cursing <laughs> at the child. But because <laughs> these words will cause parents to perk up their ears and look around and like, you know, kind of bring the kid back into the fold. I have used that strategy. <laughs> Does it work? Yeah, it worked. <laughs> <laughs> That's I'm hilarious. not proud of it, but... 
I mean, desperate times, right? (laughs) Speaking of, I guess, loudly cursing, not that I've been annoyed at you for this, but in general, people that are very loud at crags or play music at the crag or like when they fall off of their project, scream or throw a temper tantrum. I feel like that gives a bad vibe Mm -hmm. to the climbing day. I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, it's not you. (laughs) I'm probably guilty of this to some level, though. You know, I've climbed with you a lot, and I think that, you know, you do get loud at the crag sometimes, but it's mostly in the positive direction. You're loudly encouraging somebody, or you've just topped a very hard climb, and you're super excited, and you yell, I'm so fucking strong! Like, those (laughs) things are very funny, and I love those. They get the mood high, but I have seen lots of people working on their incredibly difficult projects and they fall at the crux when they thought that they were going to send and they're just screaming Mm. like the whole crag neighboring crags can hear adam andre level screaming (laughs) yeah yeah then it just feels like they're being very dramatic or overly dramatic Right. And I understand how invested people get in their climbs. Like there's definitely been many a climb where I've unexpectedly fallen or I fell when I thought I was going to send and I came down crying because I was so disappointed in myself or in the situation. Right. But you are also around a lot of other people. You're in the great outdoors and it's supposed to be quiet. (laughs) Yeah, it just seems very performative to make it all about you and your failure and how this rock owed it to you or something. Right, yeah. What I don't mind that much is people who walk up and flash my proj. I guess I'm only mentioning this because this is kind of an ego thing. Uh But I I was thinking about pet peeves that other people might have. And it doesn't really bother me when somebody walks up and just sends my proj with very little effort, even if I have been like visibly working on it Mm -hmm. for a while. Because I don't interpret it as thinking that I was owed that project just because I threw myself at it for a long time. Sometimes I kind of like it when I'm working something and somebody comes and like warms up on it because then it gives me the perfect beta for this climb. Mm. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I will take this as a learning uh, experience. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm grateful for additional beta. Right. And usually those people who come up and flash your proj, it seems to me that they're never doing it out of spite or because they want to show off or flex in some way. Like they are just sort of warming up. Yeah. (laughs) And they're just at a much higher level than I am. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of times they're even apologetic about it. Like, I'm sorry, could I just, could I just like do this one Uh, (laughs) or like try this one with you? Like, oh, okay. Yeah. They're like warming up on the 11. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's the project for the day. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe one day I'll get there. (laughs) Yeah. More power to them. Right. Yeah. I guess that's one of my other pet peeves, though, is when there's a big group that's climbing and they don't seem like they want to let smaller groups climb either in between them or with them. Oh, interesting. Hmm. Yeah. I think it's just sort of inconsiderate. Like, no party owns a crag or owns a route. But, like, I have been a part of large groups and I have seen other large groups. And they all want to climb this five-star climb. But then there's also lots of other couples who want to climb this as well. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes it'll be me and my partner and we want to climb something. But now we have to get in line behind these 17 other people all in Mm -hmm. the same group who will be here all day anyway because they have a large 
party. And, you know, most of the time it's just like, well, I guess we'll move on. We'll go to a different area. But it really could have just been me and my partner spent 15 minutes climbing it and then we move on. We feel happy. The big group hasn't lost anything other than the 15 minutes they were already going to spend there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I guess I experience this less because I don't sport climb that much. Right. That's um, true. And I feel it like it does happen a little less bouldering. Yeah, I mean, it happens trad climbing a lot too, but there, I mean, I've only trad climbed at the gunks, so there's a lot more there that is open, so I would usually just (laughs) find something else. And it's not like I'm trying to find like the one 510 to climb, because I don't (laughs) climb 510 anyway. Yeah, I guess maybe for me, I see that as less of a pet peeve because they got there first. And I know being at a party of 10 is uh, just going to result in a long time at a particular climb. But we could have gotten there first, too. That's the rule. You get there first, you get first dibs. I don't know. But if me and my one partner get there first, we spend 15 or 20 minutes on it and then we're done. But if you and your party of 10 get there first, you spend seven hours there. Yeah, and then no one else can climb it for the day. Right. Yeah, I guess I guess you're right. There's a etiquette to a big group. When you're in in a big group, you know, you have a responsibility, more of a responsibility to your fellow climbers because you're taking up more space. Mm-hmm. And I think it's great to climb with a big group. There's a lot of energy to be had and usually more snacks. So mm-hmm. that's always good. <laughs> But yeah, I think you're right that it just requires a different level of consideration for other climbers than if you were just a two-person party. Yeah, yeah. Something else that grinds my gears. (laughs) (laughs) Is uh, when people aren't spotting and I know that people have different philosophies when it comes to spotting and maybe sometimes a climb doesn't need a spotter it's safe enough that no spot is necessary but I always appreciate it when there's a spot I try to do that for other people and when I see that nobody has gotten up from their seat 10 feet away Mm -hmm. in order to spot me It just makes me feel a little bit less safe. Yeah, I just feel a little bit miffed that they think that it's okay to not spot. (laughs) Fucking God, listen to me. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I guess from their perspective, it's probably like, oh, she's fine. She'll be okay. But I can also definitely see from your perspective, too, that, oh, I I actually don't think I'm fine. (laughs) Yeah. And it might feel like the the other people don't have your safety in mind. Yeah, for sure. They're not looking out for you. Right, right. Yeah, I guess it it miss me when people are dismissive of safety in general. And it kind of takes two forms, right? Like it's one, not really proactively doing anything for safety. And that's like not spotting or being blasé about traditional safety measures like commands and the process of getting ready to climb and all that. Mm, yeah like double checking your partner exactly yeah there's that that is annoying but I I do know that part of it is up to each individual so everyone is responsible for their own safety first and foremost but then the other part of it that missed me is when they encourage other people to try things that are beyond their comfort level or that would be dangerous if Mm. they were 
less capable. Like it, it may not be dangerous for the person who's encouraging the other person to try, but it might be dangerous for that person who's trying because he or she is just not as confident at that level. And it seems a little narrow minded <laughs> or <laughs> yeah, <laughs> presumptuous to encourage someone to do something that they're uncomfortable with doing. Yeah, yeah. I guess that there must be a, a line that you have to find between encouraging somebody to push their comfort levels and to try something or try hard at something that maybe they wouldn't have by themselves. And then they end up achieving something really great. But then if it's too far out of their comfort zone, or if it's something that they don't have any familiarity with at all, then it can be damaging to the experience and traumatic. Like Jamie has, tells me all the time about the first time he learned how to sport climb. It was with this woman who'd been sport climbing for a long time. And she was also pretty blasé in general about safety, it seemed, and got him up something that was way too hard for him at the time. And it was kind of run out. And he ended up taking this 20 or 30 foot whipper. Oh, God. Yeah. And it, it really scared him. And it put him off of sport climbing for years after that. Like he just thought that that's what it was to sport climb is that you're always putting yourself in these sorts of death defying situations. And yeah, he just didn't want to do it. And so he only bouldered for a while. And then much later got reintroduced to sport climbing in a more healthy way. Yeah. 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 It really pisses me off to see belay partners forcing their climbing partners to attempt moves that they're not comfortable with attempting or like refusing to lower them or refusing to take or something. I don't see this that often because I don't sport climb that much. But every now and then I think I see it at the gym. <laughs> Yeah, I see like, you know, usually the the newer climbers who are trying to encourage each other to push their limits. But I don't know if that's really a good way to push your limits. Right. <laughs> there, it does seem like there are better and less traumatic ways to do that. Yeah, yeah. Just like forcing someone else who's scared up there. I don't know. Just uh, I, I can imagine being the scared person and your psych is not going to help me. At right. That one moment. Exactly. Yeah. And I have definitely been that scared person. Yeah. And the only thing that goes through my head when my belayer is saying something like, oh, no, you should just try or like, are, are you sure you want to take? Like, God damn it. Yes. Fucking take. Yeah. <laughs> like, I only get angry. <laughs> 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 There's a few pet peeves that while I was researching for this episode, I saw You're researching of- pet peeves. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta be thorough. We can't I'm gonna complain. <laughs> yeah, I wanna hit all the hot spots. Right. Because we yeah. only have one opportunity to do <laughs> <laughs> Right. I'm letting it all hang out at this point. Mm-hmm. Airing the dirty laundry. Right. So one thing that I saw people were mad about, but that doesn't actually bother me that much, is tick marks, I guess. Does that bother you at all? Tick marks or big tick marks or not brushing your tick marks? Hmm. Most of the time when you come to a boulder that has been heavily climbed, there are a few tick marks. And for me, I think if it seems like a normal amount of tick marks, I don't really notice those too much. And most of the time, I kind of am thankful for them because it means that I don't have to spend a lot of time searching for this invisible foothold anymore. But I have gone to boulders where the tick marks do seem a little excessive. (laughs) You know, like 10, 20 tick marks. Like, this boulder is only 10 feet tall. There's not even... (laughs) 
that many holds. I don't, why are we ticking all these holds? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Right. And there's um, like two tick marks for every hold because they need a goalpost like every one. Oh, yes. <laughs> or if the tick mark is like gigantic, you know, like two feet long, like that also seems a little bit much. But <laughs> I guess I didn't think of tick marks myself whenever I was brainstorming my own pet peeves. Yeah. Well, I mean, it doesn't really bother me either. I guess I haven't seen a, a example that was egregious enough to get my goat. But I can imagine having way too many and then being like, what have you done? You know, <laughs> what about you? Or do you have any more pet peeves? The only other ones were like gym specific. And it's really my gym. <laughs> So All right, let's hear him. I, I don't know if I should say this now that I am employed by my gym, <laughs> but <laughs> my gym has policies that they don't let you be barefoot and they don't allow you to use loose chalk. What? So my gym has a couple locations. Most of them are bouldering and one of them is a rope climbing facility and in none of them you can be barefoot. So you have to at least be wearing socks. A lot of people wear flip-flops or slip-ons or something of the sort. But I find that really annoying because... Hell? I know, right? Like, I have weird bunion and my shoes are pretty uncomfortable, even though they are the most comfortable shoes that I can find. And I don't like wearing my shoes in between climbs because it's just... Understandably. Painful. Yeah. But it is kind of a hassle. And I feel like such a princess saying this, but like, it's a hassle, like taking your shoes on and off and then having to put on socks or put on flip-flops or something it's it's too much <laughs> here here I agree yeah. and I don't even really understand why like I guess it's from maybe a hygiene perspective that they don't want you to be barefoot or perhaps a safety perspective maybe somebody might step on your toes but from a hygiene standpoint I don't really think that being in socks is any different than being barefoot right your socks are just carrying all the foot germs yeah. And I don't really know how much like foot germs and things spread on a climbing mat. It seems like it's usually in public showers that I feel weird about being barefoot. And it's because it's a wet environment that never airs out. But mm -hmm. like climbing mats aren't really like that, I feel. I mean, I've done no research on this, so I have really no idea. But if it's from like a, a safety perspective of like people stepping on your toes, I can also say with certainty that it hurts much more to be stepped on while you're wearing climbing shoes than it does oh, yeah. if you're just barefoot. So I yeah, don't really know what that's crazy about. And then the loose chalk one is something that my gym is currently reviewing right now, but they enacted the liquid chalk only policy during COVID, which I guess at the time made some sort of sense because liquid chalk is all that alcohol. And so maybe it helps to stop germ spread. But now that the pandemic is sort of coming to, I, I don't know, we're like it becoming a little bit more normal. Right. Although um, I currently have COVID. Right. <laughs> Yeah, that's not to say it's over outright, but general society seems to be navigating towards going back to normal. So at least CRG, for instance, has brought back their communal loose chalk barrels. Right. And most gyms, I think, are regular chalk policy or at least give you the options. But at mine, it's still only liquid chalk in the bouldering facilities and you can have a chalk ball in the rope climbing Oh my god, that is so restrictive. Yeah. Oh my yeah. goodness. They don't even allow chalk balls in the bouldering facility. Mm -mm, and no. liquid chalk sucks ass. We it all does. Know. We all know. We all know it's awful. It's um, like worse than nothing at all. 
Yeah, and I guess from a health standpoint, I can kind of see where they're coming from. This one I have done a little bit of research on that loose chalk and chalk balls too. They have the same kind of tiny particle emitting properties. And like breathing in chalk all day long, it just can't be good for you, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and yeah. a lot of loose chalk nowadays has drying agents. And those are certainly not that good to breathe in all the time. And for me, going in for like a two-hour session a couple of times a week, maybe that's not that bad. But for the employees who work eight-hour shifts five days a week, I can definitely see why the gym might be concerned about their health and safety. Yeah, yeah, I guess. But it's just so disruptive to the normal course of climbing right. to not be able to use powder chalk. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely different. I think pre-COVID, I may have visited one gym ever that only allowed you to use chalk balls. And they claimed it was because it decreases messes, like spillage. Okay. Oh, yeah. I guess yeah. that makes sense, too. That Yeah, from that perspective, yeah, that totally makes some sense. I think chalk balls are also annoying because I get pumped just trying to squeeze the chalk out of them. (laughs) Maybe I should just train more or something, but. (laughs) Oh my God. Maybe you need a more porous chalk ball. I use the one that they sell at the climbing gym. I don't know. Uh, Okay. (laughs) I'm sorry. No, it's okay. I I feel a little bit silly naming those as pet peeves of mine, but they definitely do get me annoyed. Yeah. I I hear you. There's definitely some things that you just can't do anything about, but they still annoy you. Mm -hmm. There might not be necessarily anything wrong with it, but it's a pet peeve. It doesn't have to make sense. Right. (laughs) I mean, sometimes I still get annoyed at tall people. (laughs) I can see that. Even though it's not their fault. It's not their fault. And there are those few routes that being tall does make it a little bit more difficult to climb them. Reportedly. Reportedly, yeah. (laughs) No, no, it's fine. It's fine. If you're tall, more power to you. Right. Yeah. All right. So I guess we've covered a lot of ground here. (laughs) Some silly pet peeves and some pet peeves that I think are worth looking into. Like leaving a trace at the crag. Yeah. Pick up your litter. Pick up your litter, man. But I think it would be fun to hear from our listeners, too, if they've got any pet peeves. Yeah, please send us your pet peeves. We want to hear them. We want to see if we're the only unreasonable ones or if (laughs) other people share this negativity. (laughs) Right. So, yeah, if we missed anything or if you've got any pet peeves that you want to share, send us a message on Spotify or Instagram or email or any place where you listen where you listen to us (laughs) (laughs) i'm usually not the one that says that part (laughs) and uh thank you to the people who requested this topic for giving us the chance to kvetch about it really appreciate that (laughs) kvetch it's a new yorkism is it yeah what does it mean it means like to bitch about it oh kvetch it's like a jewish thing okay i mean yeah it sounds like it (laughs) (laughs) all right so yeah kvetch at us later (laughs) yeah (laughs) next time on (laughs) that was perfect